Welcome to the World of Intelligence, a podcast for you to discover the latest analysis of global military and security trends within the open source defense intelligence community. Now on to the episode with your host, Terry Pitar. Welcome to this episode of the Jane's podcast. I'm Terry Pattar. I lead the Jane's intelligence unit. I'm joined on this episode by Lee Wilde, president and co-founder of Atreides. Lee, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. I've been looking forward to this because, you know, you and I have talked on and off over the last sort of couple of years, I guess. And um, I've always been really impressed by a lot of the work that you've been involved in with open source intelligence in particular. It'd be great to hear from you about some of your background, how you got to where you are now and what the work is that you're doing at Atreides and, and what the offerings are um, that you're developing, really, because I think it's some really exciting work that you're doing. Excellent. Thank you. So, yes, I'm, I'm ex-military just the other month I, I left and specifically, like you said, focused on cat death, which was really born out of identifying needs from having the inertia to solve problems for partners or or our own issues and um, identifying things that can be fixed. That's what I love doing. Building capabilities and identifying disparate pieces of information, either structured or unstructured, and fusing them all together. And, and that's what I've always done. It's um, it's just nice to be able to do them in, a, in an environment and um, an industry where you can see the end result really, really, you know, rewarding. And, and that's what I've really focused on and loved doing. How do you see open source information developing at the moment and open source intelligence? For me personally, there is an element of, um, I think you have to put the blinkers on and, and kind of ignore what's all the buzzwords and all the promises of X, Y, and Z from a multitude of different places. You're an architect. And I used to be an architect. I was going to say, you used to be an architect. Yeah, this is interesting. <laughs> There's a saying that, that architects know something about everything and engineers know everything about one thing. And and, and I've seen that and it's true and it's true for a reason. Within the, the J2 sphere, you know, you're an architect of the truth. Now, now that doesn't mean you're creative with the truth. <laughs> it means the way in which you've got to an, an answer that satisfies what has been asked of you to go and find out. For me, there's one word, automation. I think that when you read through and through and through about what, you know, AI, ML, fantastic, great. However, there lacks a lot of tangible, real world scenarios where either of those has come into fruition for someone to go, oh, I'm redundant. You know, I don't need, you know, I can sit back and just answer a third of my work because it's not there yet. But what is there is the ability to to increase an analyst cadence through the technical capability. Sources are always going to be there whether one turns off their API or, or not, and we have to get a very creative way of going to find some other data or, or, or disparate data sources over here, over here, over here. Automation is the key to uplift entry-level analysts or existing you know, kind of midway analysts who are you know, bogged down in the same IRs, if you will, you know, and the, the transition to, to be able to concentrate on what's up and coming in the open source space has to start with, right, Whatever got to do, right, let's get rid of all that that can be automated. That can tick over. I tell you what, that automation now can turn into my own alerts, my own watch lists. Again, prompting and poking and provoking the intelligence cycle to work for us, not the other way around. So there's a transition from very mandrolic ways of going out to do things versus the automation. And then the ability to focus on really what is the golden opportunity which is indicators and warnings that are automated, regardless of the content that you're looking at um, in the maritime space, in the airspace, on the land space. It, it doesn't matter which domain you're in. You and I both know metrics that are measured for performance within our space. 
how many hours right. can you save an analyst? You know, so yeah. I did I did that for you. I saved you two hours a day. That's ten hours a week for you know forty a month, and then forever for infinite. Brilliant. You know, I, I've just saved you know ten thousand people an hour. Crazy. It's great. <laughs> it, it's great. But actually, yeah. what is it's it's only great if you can do it again. It's repeatable. So it's problem set agnostic, and I think that is that's where the foundations of the future of open source lies. Um, and it's not specifically just within social media. I think there's a lot. Whilst it can tell you a lot, you know, back in the day, you know, early 2000s, you know, onwards, fantastic. It was a real niche and a real head turner. However, as you'll know, and we all know, it's data everywhere, information everywhere, and its ability to automate and enrich enrich so take multiple data sources something you know, like entity resolution or enrichment low level enrichment and start piecing these together to bring to the fold human behavioral insights as an analyst or as a cap dev specialist serving the analytical community i'd be doing a great disservice if i threw 65000 dots on a map looks great looks amazing <laughs> but what you know you're going to spend the next six hours trying to figure out exactly well, what does it mean? How am I going to filter this? How am I going to carve this data up? That's why a trainees exists. We said, well, you know, let's do the favor to the analyst and say, look, you've got 12 dots on your screen, but those 12 dots absolutely mean something because they are from 16 different enrichments, which means you've got now the justification to underpin a new IR saying this is happening here. Why? Brilliant. Okay, now we've got an understanding. We've never seen that before. Fantastic. Or we have seen that before. It's just normal. Good. That validates your theory, your hypothesis. So the the the, the kind of the future of Olson is is you know while there are a lot of companies out there coming up with the new data feeds, you know entity extraction uh, from different you know unstructured data feeds and structuring them, feeding them through, some taking quite diluted data sets and enriching them for the sake of enriching whatever i don't know but but what we our, our primary focus within this space to make sure the future of osin is a space where it's accessible it's reliable and that it's shareable as well and it gives you insight and that's the way i see it going there's no doubt the future of open source is going to be underpinned by an operator's technical capability absolutely and the uk uh, UK Defence specifically has done a phenomenal job. When you look at the J-Hub coding scheme, uh, when you look at some of the other units who are, who are with two feet dipping into this space. Really sort of, you mean efforts to teach people coding and more technical skills that can <laughs> help them do their own automations? Yes, exactly. Right. And you know, it's difficult. It's difficult. You know, we all, you know, I say we, I'm, I'm out of it. But, but you know, and then, you know, we all have certain rules uh, to, to, to keep and to maintain um, and, you know, it's slightly, I'll say it's slightly easier from industry, but um, just the exposure to this exists, you've got the power to be able to do that, you know, supercharge your kind of tier one analytical skills, if you will. And we don't have a tier one analytical kind of function in the UK, but it would be fantastic, right, to take a, a, a lot of people who I speak with um, from certainly the Five Eye community are like, ah, and I thought it was like Jack Ryan, I thought it'd be like Karen Matheson, I thought it'd be like that. And you know what? Yeah, take a bit of that, take a bit of Hollywood and, and use that to supercharge your own capability and say, actually, and that's how I started. That's exactly how I started. I came into my job with the assumption of X, Y and Z. 
that assumption and you know my high standards were met whatever <laughs> well how can i bridge that gap so when, when i used to hear that something can't be done it'd be red red rag to a bull because i'd like that can be done i'm absolutely <laughs> you know we've got the technology right and by hook or crook get there and say look it can be done now we need these resources that's a great way of thinking about it i mean i've, I've lost count probably the number of movies i've seen where yeah. i've sort of yeah. on the one hand i've been shaking my head thinking that just isn't mm-hmm. feasible and then on the other hand, I'm looking at it thinking, I wish it was feasible. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know? that's, that's a, that is to tie into that for recruitment purposes as well as a phenomenal opportunity, you know, really connecting people with, again, that architect or engineer. You can still take an engineer and infuse a little bit of color in there and turn them into architects, but with the right skills to be able to uh, deliver. Um, and that's, you know, the majority of our team are like that. You know, the Atreides the engineering team is is... It's a wonderful thing to have because they are driven by the output and the impact of the output. So the the engineering approach becomes second nature, which it is to them. Um, but the output is one of wow, we've just you know uncovered this and it's on a global scale. Okay, that's a massive value to X, Y, and Z. We can perpetually provide that saving, you know, or, or complementing. And the other thing that's really important, Terry, and we've talked about this before. You know, I, I don't think there should be or you know, should exist a one central supplier of, you know, where the dominant providers of, of X, right? Because no one can ever replace any other sources. You know, it's a big, big pool, a big, big um, marketplace, and everyone's got the right to be able to provide and do X, Y, and Z. But what's beautiful is regardless of where, whichever feed you're bringing in, they'll still fit through the framework of IRM. And I think I think what you mentioned there in terms of you know that kind of exclusivity around information or supply etc. I mean this is what this is what I love about open source information is that it's available to everyone, mm. and it's what you do with it really that adds the value. And yeah. you know you talked earlier about enrichment and things like that. It's about what you do with those different data sets that you might bring in, or even if you're an individual analyst, you know um, who maybe doesn't have, quite have those technical skills. Any information you're bringing together, and wow. then figuring out what it means and, mm. and what what it means in relation to the questions you're being asked, not just what does it mean generally, but what does it mean mm. specifically for the person who's going to read this? I have to make yep. a decision with what I write. Um, yes. So yeah, that outcome focus is, is really interesting. And I'm, you know, I'm always keen to drive that home for people is that that's, the, that's what, we, what, what we're all focused on, right? And I think one of the things that I've seen is that we're all creatures of habit. We all tend to go to the same sources of information, you know. So whatever the requirement is that comes in, we'll suddenly dash off to the, try and get the answers. Or you know, in an ideal world, if we could, we'd get the answers ready made. But you know, uh, as you know, we're often piecing it together to figure out what's going on. Um, so, but 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 analysts tend to be creatures of habit. They tend to go to the same sources again and again. Yeah. But there's a lot of unusual unusual sources of information out there. I think in terms of ones that aren't used very often. And what I've always liked in some of your work is that, you know, you're very good at identifying where those sort of mm. disparate sources of information might be that people otherwise might not consider. Um, are there any in particular you think at the moment that people that you see that you think analysts should make more use of that are Absolutely. out there that people aren't really using enough of? Yeah, it's a really good point. So we we have, a you know, we have, I like to think, the global colleagues um, in the NGO space. I mean, the NGO um, um, effort in different countries can get to the spaces that we can't. You know, their, their, their mandates allow them to do that. And, and they, they collect and they structure and they disseminate, you know, sometimes not always in English, but that's fine. That's where that tradecraft comes in, right? 
um, to be able to convert and give you that in a readable format um, and, and be able to pull from that network of global resources um, really granular insights that can affect decision making or support decision making and affect you know ops on the ground or or efforts in in wherever to do whatever i think sources are sources the output really for me and i've always had in my mind is what can we create as you know as a as a service provider as a as a cap devil as a human what can i provide to give the person who's using tools or whatever i've built the ability to underpin their dissemination with analytical rigor. Analytical rigor, really important and, and overlooked. And we're taught, you know, fact, comment, assessment. You know, what happened, something about what happened in terms of our own knowledge bank, and then the analysis coming out. Is it likely to happen again or not, or whatever, right? And, and that nice little triangle, uh, that trigram of, of um, solidarity to underpin analytical rigor. But in terms of data sets, so for instance, you know, there's some fantastic stuff out there. So we look at NGO databases. So let's take Northeast Nigeria, Lake Chad Basin, the conflict there that's been on for years, um, UNHCR, INSO, all these different places that, that, that are bound by their mandate to, to you know, let's say establish an IDP camp, so internally displaced personnel camp. You know, they have to take uh, stock of who's on there, you know. The, the percentage of fighting age males, the percentage of females, uh, if the camp's guarded or not, geospatially where it's where it's plotted, um, what languages are in there. Those kind of things are absolutely, you know, phenomenal pieces of low-hanging fruit that, yes, they may be desperate and over here and not as, you know, not as sexy as images. However, the kind of insight you can pull from that on a perpetual basis, because it is time series as well, Every month they they provide this and, and and every quarter they'll do a larger report on, you know, if they're re-IDPs who've gone away and come back and X, Y, and Z. But analytical rigor-wise, when you're underpinning the uh or hypothesizing about, you know, a faction of Boko Haram or Islamic State who's going to move through a certain area, and you know, unlikely they would run through here because you know, two-thirds of the population are female, you know, of these IDP camps, then you can start to really underpin your analysis with cited information that's you know really high grade and it's out there in the ether another example you know where you can start connecting things like um social media and videos and whatever else is is that you know look for those disparate data sets that can underpin your hypothesis or look for evidence inside those videos to say ah okay x y and z so for instance if a certain group were releasing communications by video to purposely undermine the incumbent regime who's trying to fight them and it showed them living off the land and it showed them fishing and it showed them you know uh, surviving uh, as a you know kind of a you know <laughs> a defiance there is plenty of information in there to be able to pull out so for instance if 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 one of the people on the ground was showing you a certain type of vegetable or root vegetable you can start using things like pH levels in the soil from legacy soil testing data within that region to say, well, I know that that can only grow between certain pH levels. Let's throw all the dots on the map and start pH profiling these certain areas. Now, it's not a smoking gun or a silver bullet. However, intelligence and traditional IPE, intelligence preparation environment, is about a layered approach, not just about dots on maps. It's about, okay, Water, brilliant. Which is, you know, which is drinking, which isn't drinking water? Do we even know that's 
an information gap. Guess what? That goes back in intelligence collection plan. Brilliant. However, they're on the map. Next, IDP camps. Next, pH levels in the soil. Brilliant. Next, you know, events, you know, uh, and next, X, Y, and Z. So, it, again, it's the architecting of that analytical rigor that is ultimately, and let's be honest, the IC is a is a product based community. We love sending products out. We love graphics. We love this. We love that. And sometimes things things can fall by the wayside. But it, it's it's the future of open source, as we just touched on, is about taking those disparate uh, and very um, unique data sources that are often overlooked and pulling them together and saying actually X, Y, and Z is from this, this, and this, and it's worth sending. X, Y, and Z to go and validate or using another source, maybe closed sources to validate that. And that's that's really, you know, that's that's what I love doing. That's that's what's out there and it's endless opportunity. Interesting. Yeah, that's just some of those things you mentioned. I mean, things like soil pH levels, yeah. you know, no one's really going to think about, OK, yeah, actually, if you want to track where this group is moving yeah. around, then maybe they are going to move to the more fertile areas. And yeah, yeah that is an important indicator. So, yeah. I guess for analysts, it's about thinking a little bit more laterally sometimes, isn't it, about where information could come from that could be useful to them rather than going back to the same sources and and especially if they're coming up with zero and, yeah. and they're not getting anything, you know, back where else can they go? Yeah. Basics. I noticed that's something, you know, UK Defence is very good at, which is, right, we're, you know, we're choosing to go back to basics now. Let's take take a look at things that we may have missed or or that, you know, given the inertia of what we've just been involved in, let's just roll that back and retrospectively see if we can arrive at the same hypothesis and the same output, right? And, and you know, there's other things out there as well. That's the automation piece. You know, you look at things like ACLED, you look at things like the Global Terrorism Database and, and other uh, collection databases. That is absolutely beautifully ripe for automation. So for constant you know, um, threat integration or for constant center of gravity analysis, you know, some bright spark out there can just keep that structured data coming in and using, you know, so my personal choice is Python, whatever else, but, you know, stripping down the unique signatures inside there and saying, hey, look at the weapon systems associated with this group uh, along this time. Yeah, so for the past, yeah. you know, they didn't, they didn't use, you know, indirect fires for the whatever, whatever, suddenly, you know, when you're looking at your threat integration, which is pulled from all the data that you're pulling in, very structured. Now you've got three, four new weapon systems that are suddenly being talked around. Okay, fine. Now, would we have would we have understood that in the traditional context? Perhaps. Perhaps. Would we have missed it if we didn't have this tool? Maybe. But now we've got it. And one of my litmus tests for for building what we build and, and people who have said this before is and there's a lot of clever people out there. There's a lot of organizations out there that will say, yeah, we do that. Yeah, we do that. Yeah, of course we do that. Uh, you know, and, and that's great. But my question is, could you do it yesterday? You know, can the customer do that yesterday? No. Can they do that today? Yes. Well, there you go. That's that's the fulfillment that we get from building what we build. And um, our job is to make sure that that whilst it would be, you know, ideal for everyone to be able to go out and have research days, you know, my, one of my previous um, one of my previous bosses was very big on um, research weeks, mm. allowing, you know, and empowering people to take that one week off, still in the office, of course, but but to work on things that generally interest them in line with the job that they do. Um, so you mean kind of getting away from the, the intelligence requirements in a way? 
Yeah, yeah, a break from, I mean, operational continuation aside, yeah. it keeps yeah. going, but but certainly through the eyes of innovation um, and and, um, and cap dev and things like that, you know, how are you going to know what's over the fence if you're not allowed to peek over it? And, and we've got to <laughs> well, be, I guess if, you, if you're so busy looking at what's right in front of you, yeah, you, you don't know what's to the right and left. Yeah, and, and as new sources come in, it's like, great, mm. thank you. Oh my gosh, you know, how am I going to integrate that in what I'm doing now? I just don't have the time, you know, that kind of thing. But but being able to take a step back, and there's a lot of talk and movement um, in around innovation, as you've seen, uh, within defense and specifically in the 5i, and that's really allowing for these things to creep in and to say, right, just take a you know a tactical pause a second. And, you know, everyone always says, I don't have enough sources or, you know, I, I want to be able to get that imagery or I want to be able to get that, you know, we're not going to get it. You know, you know, we're not going to get it, and certainly not in time. And again, time is really important. Yeah. What yeah. can we get? What can we get to in that amount of time that will, uh, again, under the, the the heading of analytical rigor, be able to be disseminated to the people who need it? Um, and so there's lots of opportunity in that space. Absolutely. I think yeah. I mean that's that's fascinating. Um, and, and in terms of what you described there, that there is still that. That challenge of people being naturally biased towards being focused on collecting information and getting as much information as they can, yeah. but not always having the time to get what they need, yeah. or it not being available, and then not thinking laterally enough potentially about what else is out there because maybe they haven't, their or their organisation doesn't give them those, what you describe those kind of research weeks where they can spend a bit of time doing their own capability development, uh, which enriches you know the the capability of the organisation. But yeah, there's, there's a lot I think that you've described there that organizations and individuals can embed in their processes or in mm -hmm. their workflows you know to help them get better at doing open source intelligence yeah. without even going out and buying some fancy new tool or anything like that it's just really? it's down to them you know their efforts i guess in terms of can they build in for themselves a way to think more laterally or a way to find those other sources of information or share them internally you know i think there's there's so much there that you know chimes with what i've seen in the way that organizations can improve their open source intelligence and mm. and individuals can and like you said it, it is about it is about rigor it is about approaching it from that perspective of the what is the requirement you know what are we trying to do here what are we trying to achieve what's the outcome and keeping that focus but at the same time being open to thinking about you know what else is out there that we might maybe aren't seeing yeah absolutely and you know what? You don't have to go on a special course or start doing a degree or a master's to do it. I taught myself how to code and because the need was there. And with a Jupyter notebook and the endless resources that are online at the moment, you know, and have been for the past two or three years, there's, you know, as an analyst who's wanting to really push and, and you know, passion's one thing, capitalising on that passion is another. There are enough resources out there to be able to go out and do exactly what we've been talking about and there's another piece to this as well that analytical rigor can be met and i found this personally when you start carving up data let's say in the jupyter notebook and using pandas or whatever else when you start carving data up and having a cursory glance at it and start grouping it by this and start grouping it by that before you know it you'll start to see patterns and it's, it's very geeky but you start to see patterns and you really do and that's what those patterns are, are, are phenomena that will underpin your analytical rigor. Now, what it could do with weapon systems, it could do with events, whatever else. It could, you know, like I said, pH solves in the soil. Correlations can only be found if you are intimate with that data. 
and there are other tools that are out there publicly available to be able to go out and do this and push yourself to to add the value to the organization and ultimately the end customer that you are supporting and that's what we're about effect i think that's a great way to sort of wrap up this uh, this discussion Thanks for taking the time to, to, to talk to me and um, to give us your, your well, the benefits of your work and your wisdom and, and knowledge. It's been great. I'm still, I'm still learning. That's it. Well, we all are. We all are. <laughs> but <it's, laughs> Hopefully uh, all learning together. Yeah, but it's an, yeah, pleasure as always. And always got time for James. Um, the stuff you do is remarkable and uh, very much needed. But uh, any time. Thanks for joining us this week on The World of Intelligence. Make sure to visit our website, janes.com slash podcast, where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, so you'll never miss an episode. Uncover the threat landscape with assured interconnected threat intelligence from Janes, covering military capabilities, terrorism and insurgency, country risk, and CBRN. Support your threat and capability assessments and enhance your situational awareness with Jane's Threat Intelligence Solutions. Find out more at janes.com slash threat.